Okay, well, let's just go get started to do the podcast, make sure my levels are coming through. Oh, that's weird. The recording device isn't picking up anything. Hello, hello, testing, hello, hello. Ah, maybe it's something on my phone that can tell me about how to fix it. My phone's not turning on. No, my phone's not. Why'd the lights just go out? Oh my god, who's doing this? Scott! Scott, are you an alien? Scott, did you, did you, are you, are you trying to invade us, Scott? Scott! When a hipster's magnetic devices and radios are taken away, they can't do their basket, their writer's bagel basket, and they have entered the Twilight Zone. All right, we're doing uh, Twilight Zone month, guys. Uh, that means that Rod Serling and the crew are in the bagel basket, and we're starting with the monsters are due on Maple Street. So you know what that means. Tear me apart, Lisa! Fourteen! Great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Die with him! Because I'm Homer Simpson! Pizza, pizza, pizza! I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Big baby kids. Baby kids. It was time now. It was, was all the time I needed. Welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Curlin. I'm Dwight Stearns. And uh, Dwight, what are we doing all month long? Twilight Zone. That's the unused Twilight Zone jingle, in case you didn't know. <laughs> no, uh, we're doing um, Rod Sterling's Twilight Zone, which is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Spoiler alert. All these episodes are great. Um, and it's so... Twilight Zone was a TV show that Rod Sterling created, and it ran from um, 1959 to 1964, I believe it was, the original yeah, run. There was a hiatus in the middle because... yeah. Um, uh, CBS didn't know what to do because they wanted to do an hour long, and then because of Star Trek, and then yep, yeah, season four of Twilight Zone was hour long episodes, so that was a little wonky. Then it was off the air for a while, and it finally came back for its last season. Blah 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 blah. Um, but Twilight Zone's great. It's like a seminal show. It's just like a piece of like classic American TV history, and it's it's a show that when you watch it, it's so like ahead of its time it blows my mind i remember that like every january and every july for new year's eve and for fourth of july weekend Mm -hmm. i would spend like hours watching twilight zone episodes and because every season this was a series where the first season is 34 episodes yes it's very long and so i never ended up seeing the same episode twice there were a couple that I would like catch here and there that were like seminal episodes. Um, like I, I know I saw the um, the Death Mask one a lot. That um, one freaked me. Yeah, that one's great. Oh, and I also saw the Pig Face one a lot. But um, a lot of things with faces being messed up, I saw <laughs> a lot. But like you're right, there was a period there where I would watch an episode of Twilight Zone on that marathon, and it would be something completely new and fresh, and it just felt so. original even though these because all the ideas that like originated on this show have been reused and done to death in modern history and so it's just awesome and so many famous people got their start on it like shatner yep and um charles bronson Mm -hmm. and uh what's her name from bewitched uh elizabeth montgomery like they all got their start because of this show yeah and I know Hitchcock tried to do, like, Albert Hitchcock Presents. But yeah, which was... Yeah. That was, like, ABC or NBC's, like... <laughs> no. There's only one Twilight Zone. I, I watched the first episode of the Albert Hitchcock one, and that one was good because Hitchcock directed it. And then every other one that I watched after that, I was like, this is not that great. There's one with Leslie Nielsen. 
I like Leslie Nielsen as, but, a, as a serious actor. I like him as a serious actor. In Creepshow, he was phenomenal. But it's just so weird to see him, like, on, on I don't want to say gimmicky shows, but, like, mm-hmm. like shows that... Serialized shows like this. Right. Um, I remember CBS doubled down after they did Twilight Zone, and they greenlit two shows, The Outer Limits, yep. which was basically like this, but freakier. Like, they went a little further. Yeah, it was a lot more dark. And then uh, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, this week we did the monsters are doing Maple Street, yep. which this was is this is this your favorite episode? No, this definitely isn't my favorite. But it was when when looking to, when trying to pick sh- episodes for this month, I wanted to go with like an eclectic overview of them, mm-hmm. and this one is your standard not standard, but this is like a very good example of a. Um, humanity breaking down style story and so that's not it's there are some supernatural elements in it but those really don't show up until kind of the end um no that's actually not true just kidding but it's (laughs) uh it's just a really good well told well crafted story that's unique for for twilight zone because there's a it's a large ensemble and usually twilight zone episodes are like three to five people max um and this was 15 at least there was Um, a bunch and my favorite episode of all time for Twilight Zone is The Cellar, which is similar to this. But we went with this one because this one is much darker. Yep. And The Cellar, the only reason why it's my favorite is because Grandpa Joe uh, from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is <laughs> the bad guy in the episode. Which is just awesome. And uh, that always changed my world. One thing I should say, we have huge fans. Do we? Yeah. Like they're physically large? That's insulting, Scott. Well, actually... <laughs> One of them is uh, is my brother-in-law, and he is like six feet tall. So that's good. But uh, he is a tall fan. Um, but no, we ha- we have a lot of fans. So uh, all the people who listen uh, from uh, in Chelmsford and around Massachusetts, and there are a few people in Canada that tweeted oh, out. Oh, cool! That's so, awesome. So thank you guys. Very cool. That's awesome. I, that is amazing. That is, that is really cool here. Uh, speaking of Massachusetts, I want to correct something. On one of the earlier episodes, you said I'm from Massachusetts. I am not from Massachusetts. I'm from New Hampshire. Right. Nice I'm... try. <laughs> nice try. But anyways. Well, I think that was the one where I said we, we are in Massachusetts, and we were actually recording in New Hampshire. Yeah, we recorded in New Hampshire. But... And now we're recording in Massachusetts. Yes. We're, we're literally on the line of Massachusetts and New Hampshire right mm-hmm. now. We're in the middle of a freeway, and people yes. are honking at us. Yeah, it's very rude of them. Yeah. But we're, we have really good audio editing software, so that's why you can't hear it. Yep. That's not true. <laughs> so Monsters are doing Maple Street. Yep. Okay, so this is the 22nd episode of the first season. It's written by Rod Serling, um, who wrote like 85% of yeah. all the original episodes. It was like him, and I think Richard Matheson wrote a, a couple, and then someone else wrote a, think, a few here and there. I think Ben Hecht, who wrote Gone with the Wind, okay, uh, in the front page, like, I think mm-hmm. he got blacklisted, and, the, and it, I think they talk about it in Trumbo, but like, I know a few blacklisted writers wrote on Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. Like, like under, un, under, like, like Alan like, Smithy names or something yeah, like that? like, like I think some of the ones that say Rod Serling might have been him just being, uh, yeah, like being nice about it, right. of like other people. So that's awesome. But um, so this episode is one of I don't know my favorites. I know we went over this. So do you want to get get down and dirty with it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we open on Maple Street because the monsters are due on it. So the the, <laughs> the show episode opens on just like your standard Leave It to Beaver idyllic. 
um, 50s town. Uh, all these people out and about working on their cars, getting ice cream from the ice cream vendor man. Like if they could have got Vivaldi's like Four Seasons playing. Yeah. Like that do 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 Like it would be playing. Yeah. It was a, a perfect little this snapshot of Americana, of like idealized Americana. Maple Street, USA. Late summer. A tree-lined little world of front porch gliders, barbecues, the laughter of children, and the bell of an ice cream vendor. At the sound of the roar and the flash of light, it will be precisely 6.43 p.m. on Maple Street. Yeah, when, <laughs> in Mystery Team, when we were talking about, like, milk, mm-hmm. like, like the, the yeah. perfect milk neighborhood this is that perfect there was a guy drinking milk in this episode right, right. Like, <laughs> and there were kids eating those it was the weirdest ice cream they were like it was in like a paper not cup but it was like yeah a boat <laughs> f- 50s ice cream i don't understand how it works yeah. it's a relic of an ancient past i know you got me but so all these people are just going about their daily lives and then all of a sudden a giant fl- like we don't see what it is we just see a flashing bright light and everyone's illuminated by it and they say they saw something flying through the sky and they assume it's a meteor yeah and they're so nonchalant they're like yeah it's probably okay yeah it's funny because like this is like that time of the uh, just history or at least in american history when it was all like the concept of like outer space and like visitors coming from another planet was like not commonplace i think but it seemed like it was just a this will happen any day now. Like, in that type of external fear. This was Cold War era, right? Yes. This was yeah. um, 60s. This was early. Uh, 59. Yeah, this so. was, well, this episode came out in 60. Okay. Um, so, yeah. This was Duck March 4th, 1960. Okay. So, this was Duck and Cover. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So, like, obviously, like, the aliens are kind of like a stand-in for the the Russians yeah. and all that type of stuff. But, um, so, yeah. Where was I? I lost my train of thought uh the flash of light yes okay so you got the flash of light and like so everyone immediately is like oh what do you think that was oh must have been a meteor yeah i love the nonchalance of of everyone they're like yeah it's probably okay because i in, in an ongoing thing in twilight zone is like when something really bad happens no one jumps to oh my god we need to get out of here we're all gonna die exactly it's always like eh, it's probably I would love to see a Twilight Zone episode where a guy is just getting, like, stabbed in the alley, and they're like, oh, what's happening there? Oh, they're shaking hands. Yeah. Okay, they'll just walk. Okay, cool. Go, moving along. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then all of the appliances stop working. Exactly. They start noticing, like, some people are trying to make telephone calls, and they can't go through. Someone was, uh, a woman was saying she was cooking something on the stove, and the stove just turned off, and someone's trying to, like, change a light bulb, and it's not, it's not, the light bulb's not broken, you're just getting no electricity. All the electricity on the um, street is gone. And this is where it shows how smart, and, like, Rod Serling was, was like, a Mensa scholar. Like, he was a genius, because the water stops working, where back then, people would be like, oh, it's a well, it would still be pumping. Mm -hmm. No, this is a neighborhood where they probably had a water turbine, Mm -hmm. so it just stopped. Yeah. So that, Rod Serling, he's just so, he's so cool. (laughs) He's smart. Yeah. I mean, if if I were to bring back any like genius throughout history, I think he would be the first person I would do. That, yeah, yeah, because he was gone too soon. He died like he was like fifty, right? He like yeah. overworked himself or something like that. Uh, death. It was a combination of like 
overworking himself and like cigarettes yeah and, minor minor details <laughs> with cancer and everything like that yeah it was, it was one of those things like oh doctor how do i get better we'll smoke more parliaments naturally so the the electricity being out extends from more than just um household stuff that's on the grid people can't start their cars and that is like a very weird thing obviously because it's not like that's connected to anything that's should like that, that's it unexplainable that right there would be my biggest fear yes like like i'd be okay i mean i wouldn't be okay if i couldn't watch a movie but i would be okay if like the electricity went out because if i gotta if i gotta run away mm -hmm. i'm not the fastest runner <laughs> like i'd be more likely to roll away than i would be to run yeah, away yeah i would probably see see like a kid on a bike and push him down and be like give that to me and just <laughs> be like mystery team <laughs> yeah um and that's what scared me is mm -hmm. when when your car stops working. Yeah. Because that that right there is not really electricity. It, it's basically engineering. Yeah. I mean, it's running off the battery. So right. like that's my assumption is like they had control. Like the battery itself was the electric electrical component. But I agree with you. I know what you mean because like yeah. just the concept of a machine not functioning the way it's supposed to. I mean, at its core. Um, outside of the whole like mistrust issues that are we're about to get into in this episode, the concept of like being thrown back into like the Middle Ages with nothing is a very terrifying concept. Especially now for like our generation, mm -hmm. like, could you go a day without your cell phone? Uh, I maybe, but I mean, it, it's not. I don't want to say it would be hard, but it would be. There would be certain things that I've gotten used to at this point. Like, for example, when I was just coming over to your house today and you had given me an address for a, a different parking lot to park in, um, I was halfway here and I was like, okay, I need to make sure I'm getting to the right spot. But GPS it on my phone. Like, it's those type of, like, ease of um, um, use of things that without would be not catastrophic but it would be a big inconvenience and i'd be very grumpy because we would have to use a map exactly do you know how Screw hard that. it is to read a map <laughs> i remember being young and like before all map quest and everything like that um my parents like taking out giant maps if we were going to go on like a, a, not even a cross-country trip like a cross-state trip and it was just like these giant atlases yeah was... yeah my parents had an atlas too mm -hmm. and it was for the tri-county area so yep. it, it was massachusetts and new york and connecticut my my dad was like uh flip to page 325 c for new york yep. and i was like what? <laughs> and then you had to like go into like the individual square grids inside right. of that, and it was just uh, a mess. Yeah. But anyways, um, so back to the episode. Uh, well, one that, that applies to this. Yeah, like, it really. It really like yeah. have, having everything shut down. Yeah. I mean, it's a great concept. And so that's something else I noticed about this episode is usually, or not usually, but sometimes episodes are adapted from other short stories in some way, shape, or form. This one, uh, as far as I can tell, is just an original idea by Rod yeah. Serling. Which is, the man is phenomenal. I uh, his brain must be like a labyrinth. Like yeah, it, honestly, uh, I I told you before we started this that they just announced that they they hired a screenwriter for the movie. They they haven't said who it is. They just said they hired a female screenwriter. Cool. Oh my god, if it was Sofia Coppola, that'd be nice. That'd be so cool. That would be. I don't think it is her. I think it's like one of those sci-fi channel writers. But <laughs> I. How cool would this be for a uh, Twilight Zone movie? Inside uh, Rod Serling's brain, like oh, like that's like the framing device. Like, or? like they find Rod Serling and he isn't dead, and and you have to go like Inception inside his brain, and there's just different episodes of Twilight Zone. That would be cool. <laughs> it's a 
now that we've said that, I hope someone from like a Warner Brothers hears that and they're yeah, like, steal, hey, did you steal guys- our idea. I don't care. <laughs> Or no, give us money for yeah, the Yeah, give us there money for it. We'll Maybe. write it. Yeah, we sure. Both kn- we know Twilight Zone. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, um, back on the on Maple Street, uh, one of the guys who, I believe he he's, comes off as like a mechanic style because they keep on, they showed a shot of him having like a hammer. So, he's like a handyman because yeah. he had like a hammer in his like belt loop. And his actual hammer, like, you know how on pants there's that like little loop? Um, carpenter pants. He's at carpenter pants. That like actual loop. He was actually using that loop to yep. hold a hammer like it's supposed to be used for. Yep. But um, so he says that he's going to go check out another street to yeah, see if they have power. Peter something was yeah. his name. Like Mr. Peter. Mr. Peterman, I think. Peterman. Uh, Peter Van Horn, according to Wikipedia. Mr. Yep. Mr. Peter. Van Horn. Yes. That's right. Um, so he um, he goes to disappear, which is very important. Yes. Like the 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 way Rod Serling layered his thing, it it doesn't like make sense to you at first. You're like, oh, okay, that that yeah. that's happening. I and mean, it was a standard thing for someone to do. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go check out the uh, the next street over to see if they still have power. That's logical. Mm-hmm. Like, and then um, uh, I think we get Steve. Next, the little kid. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy who I always thought was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yes, but it was Claude Akins who played General Aldo in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which Planet of the Apes was written by Rod Serling. Serling. There you go. Did yeah. he write any of the later ones, or just the he, original? Yeah, I, I, I think he might have been dead by then. Um, oh, that's a good point. Uh, I, I think he just uh, did like an outline. Oh, okay. I think he. I would have to look at my giant collection of Planet of the Apes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most of them are story by. Oh, uh, okay. Because it's uh, Planet of the Apes, Return to the Planet of the Apes, and I think Battle is the third one. Oh, okay. So I think, yeah, that was... So it's possible he still could have done an outline for it at I that think point. He, I think his name is on it. So if he was friends with Claude Akins, then Claude Akins, because of this episode, got into Planet of the Apes. Cool. So, yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah, so we have Steve now who is kind of... He becomes more or less the de facto leader of the rest of the episode. He's the Atticus Finch. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I, I looked at uh, on my phone while we were watching this. I was like, was this the same time as To Kill a Mockingbird? Because this, this entire episode is very... It has that same To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, mm-hmm. especially, like, the prison scene in To Kill a Mockingbird when yep. everyone wants to lynch uh, Tom... Uh, uh, I don't remember his name. It's been a long time since yeah, I've read that book. Yeah, his name's Tom. Okay. Um, but it felt like that. This entire episode felt like that lynching scene. Mm-hmm. So he's the Atticus. Yes. So him and um, Charlie, was it the name of the guy? who Hawaiian wore, shirt guy? Yeah, Hawaiian that's shirt man. Char- yeah. So him and Charlie, uh, who is this other guy on the um, street, who is, everyone on the street is wearing just like a white shirt with like plaid pants. But Charlie, man, that guy likes to party. <laughs> what what did I say to you? Because it, it's been 12 years since I saw this episode. Yeah. I was like, is he the alien? Yeah, you thought he was the alien because he looks so drastically different from everyone else. Everyone else is like super thin and like I said, wearing the white shirts. And Charlie's like a big roly-poly guy and he's got like a Hawaiian style shirt on. Like Pat and Oswald would play them and play him if they made this episode Ex- today. Oh, definitely. Like, it almost looked like it had like the man's Chinese theater on it and stuff like that. It was one of those type of Hawaiian shirts where it was just like... Like pictures of things, well, not like I, floral patterns. When I first saw it, I was like, is that the Millennium Falcon? And then I realized it's 1960. So. It still would have been awesome if, yeah. it was, if it was just like the inspiration for it. Yeah. But anyway, so so they're going to go into town is what they've decided to do. But what's the kid's name? Tommy. Tommy. Tommy, this kid who um, 
is super into sci-fi and comic books does the very standard kid thing and he's like wait a minute this is very much like one of the comics that I've read and he explains about how in his comic books um, aliens have come down to earth and they have planted people to um, study us and they're the first ones who are going to try to leave or something like that whoever was in that thing that came by overhead what? whoever was in the thing that came over I don't think they want us to leave here What do you mean, Tommy? What are you talking about? They don't want us to leave. That's why they shut everything off. What makes you say that? Where'd you get that idea? Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? It's always that way in every story I've ever read about a ship landing from outer space. This is the kid with uh, the pompadour, right? Oh, yeah. His yeah. hair defies gravity. And, and he had the, I said he had Cara Delevingne eyebrows. He had huge eyebrows. So I was like, ah, he's the alien. Naturally. Like, like when I was watching this, I was trying to figure out who was going to be the alien when you were watching like rewatching this for the first yeah, time yeah. okay so. cuz i i couldn't remember i couldn't remember if it was an actual alien or if it was like the government doing like a, mm-hmm. an exercise drill to see what people would do how other people would respond which it does spoiler it does turn out to be aliens yep but there's no one on the street which is which oh. is the genius of the episode right. but i would have preferred if it was the government is like see mr president this is what happens if we turn off the electricity yeah like it was like those dirty commies. Look what we got. We got to do this to them, not them to us, type of thing. Yeah. So whatever accent that was. A <laughs> uh, general, general. Yes. Yeah. General, general. General, general. Uh. So. So so Tommy has like that's kind of the kernel that starts this like growth of distrust among people because. Um, Steve and uh, Charlie decide then not to leave because it'll look suspicious for them and. At this point, they've noticed that um, Peter, Peter, yeah, Pete hasn't come back yet, and mm-hmm. they, they find that suspicious. So everything's kind of like starting to compound on itself, which is awesome. Yes, and then um, that's when they notice that uh, Les Les Goodman. This yes. is the the first neighbor that we actually hear his name because before it was just Steve, Steve, Charlie, and Charlie, Tommy. Peter, um, Les Goodman. They actually say his name by name. Mm-hmm. He's having trouble starting his car, and they're like, oh, he's always been odd. And as soon as they say he's always been odd, he gets out of his car, and his car turns on. Yeah, without him in it, it just turns on. So. So, and that's when I brought up to you, I was like, do you think that this was, like, commentary on anti-Semitism? Because they do make a point of saying, oh, Mr. Goodman. Like, they, mm-hmm. they nail that home. Yep. And, you know, growing up in in, you know... I grew up in a family, like, we were what we called salad bar Jewish, but... What's that mean? <laughs> we're Jewish, but we're not Jewish. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, like we, we we go to the big ho- high holidays that you have to you go. You get like, oh... But, but we're not like Ned relig- Flanders religious. Oh, okay, I follow so, you. So, I mean, my, my parents more art than me. I haven't been in years. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I always noticed in this episode, like, what if this was anti-Semitism? Because they did, I think this was the episode that they showed in synagogue when I was in Hebrew school. Really? Yeah, I I think this was, yeah, because we had, we had uh, people from the Anti-Defamation League Mm -hmm. come to teach uh, 12-year-old kids about anti-Semitism because that's something that you do. Okay. And I think they did show this, this episode, they're like, didn't you see how his name was Goodman? 
that's why I that's why I brought it up. All right. I mean, it, I mean, I would say it's a stretch, but it's probably not because you're right. That is the first time you hear a name, and it does have like that type of like parallels to like this guy is weird, and like they they do say the name, so like you, it's it's a hinted at that it's because of like and his Rod background. Ser- Rod Serling was Jewish, mm-hmm. and he did fight in World War Two. Yep. So I think it's like the Mel Brooks thing where like he hated like Nazis and he hated that yep. stuff that he he felt it necessary to point out mm-hmm. discrimination and I really do yeah. believe that's what he did which is you know awesome and great which is so like so I I'm not shocked that he used a story that on its surface is about an alien invasion below the surface it's about like um not communism but, but the uh distrust that we have inside ourselves government about, paranoia exactly government par- like just paranoia in general and then below that level is like the the racism yeah. racism yeah oh man this episode's was, good he's, he's, he's a genius a genius. <laughs> he's a genius it's not even funny um i just want to do it as a quick aside i don't think we're doing any rod serling because he was in the um army a lot of um twilight zones a lot of them are about like military stuff and or like their their war, their war stuff. Astro- uh, well, because he always makes a point of saying these men served in the Air Force, so they yes. deserve to be astronauts. Astro- yeah, but like he do- they do a lot of like World War Two stuff, and right. I am less a fan of those episodes. I don't think that they hold up very well. Like the one where the guy turns out to be Hitler. Uh, no, that one's fine. But like there are other ones where it's just like. They're in the war and something happens. And yeah. I don't like those in the westerns. Those are the two that like every time I watch one of oh, those, I I'm like ah, less than thrilled. With I them. love the we- I I love westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, the the wagon train one was always one of my favorites. The one where the guy, the pioneer, ends up in 1961. Oh, okay, yep, yeah, that one is cool. But um, but ah, God, so good. So, I mean, you brought up something. The the pilot episode of Twilight Zone mm-hmm. is about a military man yep. who is an astronaut. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, my God. But you don't notice <laughs> that until the end as opposed to something being, like, set in, like, the jungles of Vietnam. Like, well, he's, obviously he's wearing an it, Air but... Force jumpsuit. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, this one... And, and there is that... Like, like, in Aaron Sorkin shows, he has that hierarchy. Like, this is y- your patriarch. This is your father mm-hmm. figure. Uh, where Rod Serling has more of that like military, like this is our general who's in charge, and these are our corporals. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, that is a hundred percent like clear because Steve is the captain, and he's yep. in charge of the neighborhood. And then you have um, Les Goodman, who is basically uh, he would be like the the corporal who is being tried. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, because something suspicious happened. Yeah, or he... so this would be like a judge advocate general situation where mm-hmm. where everyone's on trial. So then they start attacking poor Les, who didn't do anything except... Yeah, no, he got out of his car. Like, that's all he did, and then his car started without him doing anything. And then, uh, oh, they never say this woman's name, but she's like, I, I knew he was the alien because he's up at midnight or one in the morning... And he's just staring at the sky, and he's walking around the neighborhood. First off, why are you up? Yeah, that's the thing I noticed. That no one was like, "Hey, hey, why are you watching him?" That's also weird. Yeah, like, because she said it's like midnight. It's the middle of the night. Well, what are you doing up? Yeah, because what, what would she be like? I'm cheating on my husband. Exactly. <laughs> well, because she prefaces it with like, 
I stay up late sometimes, and I see him out there staring. I mean, I guess the weird thing is not that he's up at late late at night, but that he's standing in the middle of his yard, or staring at the, skies, the sky. Yeah, because they also said that he's also walking around the mm-hmm. neighborhood, staring at the sky yeah, too, like he was waiting for something. Well, first off, do you know how beautiful it is, like <laughs> in the middle of the night, seeing all the stars, and there's probably like shooting stars, and like yeah. It's and probably gorgeous. This of is before you... there was a ton of like uh, light pollution and everything right, too. So, so it was probably like gorgeous. Yeah, I would be staring at the sky too. Why not? And I mean, he sa- comes back and says he's like, well, I guess uh, having insomnia now is a uh, I forget what the exact phrasing was, but it was something along the lines it's of a it's, crime. A, it's a crime or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I'm surprised that they even mentioned insomnia mm-hmm. for 1959. Yeah, insomnia wasn't technically a textbook diagnosis until probably the mid 70s. So yeah, that's. But, so, oh, Rod, Rod, <laughs> smart man, come back from beyond the grave, and-, and and it was the, I mean, granted we are at a different time for like what is on TV and what um, passes for TV, but this was like a standard like. Um, not a sitcom style show, but this was on primetime. So this is where yeah. nowadays we have like your Big Bang theories, like your Two Broke Girls and stuff like that. And like one of the guys, Steve says, if we're going to um, be judging each other for each idiosyncrat, idiosyncrat, I can't even freaking say the word. Idiosyncrasy. Right idiosyncrasy. I want to say idiosyncrasy or something like that. Like, cause he was talking about like idiosyncratic behavior. Yeah, that's what it was. Idiosyncratic. I was trying to, I was mushing the two words together. But, um, like something like that, I guess maybe you'd hear that on Big Bang Theory, but they were gonna be they would be pretentious about it and like, rah, rah, rah. but like, just like the use of that type of language was I don't know, yeah, because, really really nice because you would have Beautiful. Sheldon be like, Leonard, I don't appreciate your idiosyncratic behavior exactly, like, like, but where this everything felt so smart. I think that's why I love the show Black Mirror so much mm-hmm. is because it it's like the Twilight Zone because they focus more on. It, he, the guy who created it said it's putting a black mirror to society. Okay. Where this was not putting a black mirror, it's just taking a step back mm-hmm. and looking at it. Yeah. And um, this episode in particular, I think this was a very great choice from you to start off our entire discussion. I agree. For the month. Um, the one thing that I, I was waiting for them to do was to turn on each other because, like, they they started on less, but I was like, when are they gonna start pointing the the finger at Steve who's yep. trying to be the peacekeeper? And five seconds later, <laughs> like, well, they, they don't do that until later in the evening. No, I, he's the next person. But it, that's at oh. night, right? Yeah, that's that's the next night. That's during the night because so you okay. have um, so less is oh, like right. he's like defending himself, and then they're like leave him alone. Exactly, and less less basically like comes out and says something along the lines of like, well, if we're we're gonna start witch hunting people. How long before it goes to the rest of you guys? And then it cuts to that evening. Everyone the power's still out. Everyone's lighting candles. Less is drinking his glass of milk because he's a it's he's a good so old boy. Weird. It is. It's just surreal seeing like <laughs> someone like standing on their porch with a big old tall glass of milk, but um. And so all the neighbors at this point are just like eyeing each other because everyone is is getting suspicious of everyone else. I'm surprised that the milkman didn't show up to pour him the glass of milk and was like, "Here you go, freak." <laughs> <laughs> and so at this point, um, Pete still hasn't come back, uh, and now is when they really start kind of turning on each other because right. Charlie starts talking to, or he, he starts pointing his fingers around at uh, Les, and then oh, I have this. This is written down here. But That's dark. when the insomnia comes out. Exactly. Right. Um. um 
One thing about him drinking the glass of milk, the electricity has been out for hours. That milk is probably spoiled. Oh, then. yeah. 100%. <laughs> you know what? Okay, you might be right. I'm sorry. I guess they do bring up the ham radio stuff during the day. I okay. was wrong. So, yeah, because, like, um, Charlie then starts saying, like, I've been talking to your wife, Steve. Your wife says you're building a radio. Who are you talking to on that radio? He's like, eh, it's a ham radio. I'm talking to people. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but I love. He's like, oh, you caught me. I'm talking to three-eyed monsters and green-headed men, and, and which is uh, awesome. Like, he's such like a good like middle finger to him. He's like, what do you think I'm doing? I'm glad you just said middle finger because mm-hmm. they asked uh, Les when he couldn't get his car started. He mm-hmm. says no dice. Like, oh yeah, and, and we pointed out like that's the equivalent of swearing in like in TV shows back then. Like saying like, um. I'm pointing the finger at you, or uh, no dice, or, yep. you know, clam down. Because well, watching this, I, I realized, I was like, oh, if this was, like, on Netflix today, they'd be swearing. And I'd be like, like God, blah, 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 Like, it would be very yeah. funny. So, um, that's when, uh, oh, is this when, um, yeah, that this is when uh, uh, Carpenter Jeans guy returns. Yes, exactly. So... So they see a figure in the distance, and it's very ominous. Yep. And they, uh, out of nowhere, they pull out a gun. Yeah, some guy like runs off, uh, runs off camera. <laughs> He's like, wait, runs right back there. with a shotgun, and like he hands it to Steve, and Steve goes like, "I'm not gonna shoot someone. What are you talking about?" Jeez, Mister. <laughs> and and then uh, you you brought up a very important thing. Mm-hmm. They shoot right away. Yep. Charlie. Charlie, Charlie takes the gun and he's like... I'll do it. I'll yep. be a man. And he shoots right away. He should have been like, hey, stop walking. Yeah. I have a gun. Who, who are you? Yeah. Hello? Like, maybe say, hello? Yeah. He, there was no warning. Like, which I guess is like a good indication of like where their paranoia has gone to. Right. Because they are... They, they've been talking about like a monster. Like, they think that a monster is coming. Or that there is some sort of... Like, not everyone is who they say they are, obviously. So, like, they've got... They've already reached that paranoia point where... They're beyond rational thinking, but I—I I mean, I guess they have to accelerate that for a TV show because mm-hmm. I would think at that point I would still be like, "Hello, <laughs> hey, who is it?" Hey, you. And then they shoot him, and it's Peter. Yep. But they don't say Peter; they say it's Van Horn, Mr. Van Horn. They say it's Mr. Van Horn, which I also brought up to you. This could have been another commentary mm-hmm. because um, Van Horn is, is like you know. That whole Germanic, yep. Swedish name. Mm-hmm. So it could have also been more commentary on like racial profiling, yep. and you know, shooting first uh, foreigners and, and asking uh-huh. questions later. Yeah, which is just another because you don't know the last names of anyone except they're like in the credits. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess because I mean, but it's Wikipedia Charlie, Steve, but you have Les Goodman and Peter Van Horn. Mm-hmm. So you have basically two people with um, either. Uh, uh, racial like I was gonna say, not ethnic names, but they're like names that you could associate with. You could stereotype exactly, right? Yes. So, so that's another Serlingism. Yeah, I, I think for like this month we should be like Serlingism. Serlingism one, ding. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they don't even move his body. No, yeah, they just leave him there. Like they should have like, in he got shot in the stomach. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd be dead right away. 
No, it's, but the, so he could have said that's something. Just, that's yeah, he could have. But that's just like a TV show thing, because like I, I've seen so many movies where like someone will get shot in the shoulder, die immediately. Someone will get shot like in the face, and like half their face will be missing, and they'll be like, "Oh, hello!" Like, and they'll recover. The, like, it's just so what the story dictates is what happens to someone when they're shot. This reminds me of one of your favorite shows, mm-hmm. uh, that '70s show when they did the Reefer Madness. Oh thing, yeah, and they shoot the gun in the air, and then. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Laura Prepon dies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's what that made me think of. So, yeah, he he's dead. Yep. Which also at that distance, a shotgun, a shotgun would, would not. It would nowhere prob- near. Yeah, it probably like fall five feet short. Yeah, I mean it would hurt, but it wouldn't be a concentrated blast to the stomach. His body would either have been like he would have had like pellets everywhere in him, or it would have like been spread out enough and would have been dissipated enough to not super harm him. Because uh, if it was a rifle... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Sam Elliott um, was in Thank You for Smoking, mm-hmm. and he said, never use a shotgun, because in the script for Thank You for Smoking, his character pulls out a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, can we change it to a rifle? And J- Jason Reitman's like, why? And he's like, because a shotgun can't go that far. A rifle bullet. That's why it's a sniper rifle. Yep. So... Uh, that that made me think of that because it is a double-barreled shotgun. Yep. It, it's not a rifle. A rifle, you have to put the bullet in on top. Into where, the chamber, yep. Yeah. So, As opposed to, yeah. So I was like, he wouldn't be dead. Especially from the 50s. Like, I, I don't know gun technology, but I, I think that like a... You're not a blacksmith? No, I'm not, unfortunately. A, a shotgun that would someone would have for like home defense in the 50s, I'm assuming it would be like an older model. It wouldn't right. be like a new... Eh, maybe not. I don't know. It would be like I'm a Winchester. Exactly. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be designed to shoot someone f- a, a he, football field length yeah, away from Yeah, he was him. at least five yards away. Yeah, he was more than five yards. Uh, football field is. Yes, five, is, uh, 100 yards 100 football yards. field. I'm trying to remember uh, uh, what you would call it in my head. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, you you all through five uh, football fields five, of yeah yeah so it's just so, five hundred yards. Yeah. So I was trying to like divide everything in my head. No, but he he was probably a football field yeah, away. Yeah, at least he was he was far down the street, uh, covered like completely in shadow and everything. Yeah. Which um, I this I appreciate this show what it does with the limited technology of the time because they were trying to replicate um that there's no street lights so and everyone has candles so when they were going to approach the body the body was completely in shadow up until they got to it and then you could see like them like turn the spotlight with them onto him it was just like was very clever. very very well done yeah. i was impressed so oh, um, so good so then they're like charlie you monster how could you yeah. do it why would you shoot him immediately and he's like i most certainly didn't know who he was Well, he came out of the darkness. How was I supposed to know who he was? Steve? You know why I shot him. How was I supposed to know he wasn't a monster or something? How was I supposed to know who he was? And that's when I was like, you you ask him. You say, hey, who are you? Yeah, and he's like, come on, Steve, buddy old pal. You know that I had no other choice. And Steve's like, you had plenty of other choices. and then this is where like part of the genius of this episode comes comes in so then charlie's lights turn on in his house yes like the just the lights turn on and so everyone's like charlie why are your lights on and you killed this guy you must be the alien or the monster but that's not how that would work like (laughs) like 
And uh, so then they bash his head in with a rock. They, yeah. They start stoning him. Yeah. And that's when the show, like, takes, like, a dark turn. Because, like, I mean, murdering someone, yes, is a dark turn. But, like, he, like, you're right. They start stoning him. Because I think it's different for m- murdering Van Horn because we didn't see him. Mm-hmm. We just saw a figure. So, it, yeah. But we've been with Charlie since minute one. Yeah. So that's when Charlie goes, I know who it is. I know who the alien is. It's Tommy. Which is messed up because it's just a little kid. And like so, yeah. like, this is like the start of the panic, just being like, just pointing fingers and like, it's you, it's you, it's you. No, it's you, it's you. And this is like the start of the like everything's been devolving at this point. But this is like the super breaking down. And I wish it was like uh, Tommy was like, it is me, and then he just disintegrates, yeah. <laughs> like and in the Mars attacks. That's the thing about this this type of show is it could have gone anyway. Like. It could have been Tommy. It could have been Charlie. It could have been like any of them, and it could have just devolved into him, like, like a alien blowing them all away. Yeah. How great would have it been if it was? Um, uh, he's just a little boy, and then they start attacking each other, and then in the chaos, Tommy just starts, just starts walking, walking away, away, and he and he, he's like, and he like pulls off his hat and has like a third eye, or, or, or like, like a light comes down and just sucks him up, beams him up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see them doing that too. Like the uh, the way it ends is perfect. But but like there are so many so many ways this could have ended, mm-hmm. and you're always guessing. Yep. Even like this was fifty nine, so this was almost. Ooh, this was this was almost like seventy years ago. <laughs> like, holy crap! Well, it, okay, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, uh, it 40, was, 50, 50, 60. Wait, okay, so this this came out in sixty, so forty to two thousand, yeah. so it's fifty seven years ago. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, so it still holds up. It still makes you think, oh, man, my head hurts. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So uh, then they start turning on each other, and the lights start going on. Because yep. once they start pointing the finger, I'm sorry, I'm, like, pointing at it's you. It's okay. Um, so it's once rude. They, yeah, <laughs> sorry. So once they start pointing the finger, then um, uh, Steve's house turns on, and Les's house turns on, and yeah. everyone's house starts turning going on. 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 So everyone starts running around just grabbing weapons and... Like, someone grabs, like, a, a shotgun, shovel. someone grabs a shovel, someone grabs just, like, rocks, or, like, um, gardening bricks, and, um... Like, what would you bring to a, a neighborhood fight? Like, like... Uh, probably a gun? <laughs> like, uh, well, but it, if, you, if you didn't... <laughs> At that point, I'm just trying to think, like, in my house, outside of a gun... Probably a baseball ...that I would bat? bring. I have, like, shovels and stuff. I don't <laughs> think I have a baseball bat in my house. Uh... I want to get a baseball bat and call it the Sandman. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> or Lady Goodnight. <laughs> Thwunk. But, um, so uh, yeah, so like, and like, you see like a pistol going off and like, so people are being murdered. Like, Maple Street has completely lost it at this point. I noticed something in this, this entire fight that, uh, a woman had a pitchfork, but her husband had a frying pan. Which mm. I liked that they didn't do the cliche of the wife well, had the, the frying, frying pan. pan and he had, uh, Rod, God. he's a good guy. I think we're just swooning over him. This more <laughs> or less. This yeah. what this get ready for a lot of that. Uh, so, um, the lights are going on and off, and we slowly pull out of Maple Street, mm-hmm. and we see two men. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. 
And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. Do you mean, yep. In front of a power grid. Yep. And this is where I, I thought it was the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, let's call him Captain Exposition. Okay. Yeah, because they basically discuss what they've done now. He's like, you see, by turning off all of their electricity and uh, secretly putting it on at different intervals, they'll kill each other. Exactly. They'll all devolve into this. And the other guy's like, so this happens all the time with very little variation? Yes, this is what mostly happens. But this got me thinking, because they're aliens. Bump, bump, bump. Yeah. But spoiler. <laughs> like, that's the big twist. They, they, they get into the, the spaceship that they used in To Serve Man, and they fly off into outer space. But that got me thinking. I mean, what if it, what if it was a society on a different planet that doesn't have electricity? What do you use? Like, hmm. what if it's, like, one of the, the... I think there's an episode where it's, like, a caveman planet, or, like... Like what if, good... it, what if it was like a Planet of the Apes planet where they don't have? Hmm. I don't know. At that point, like, I assume that the concept of this is like because we as humans are so self-centered that like we can't imagine uh, these aliens going to any other planet, or maybe those aliens just wouldn't deal like want to deal with that. But we don't know how their technology works. We don't know if they're if they can only target electricity. Maybe they could target like fire. Like maybe they could make fire not work for for these other aliens or, I feel like or the, for other planets. The fire would just be a guy going up to it and going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like walk away. But yeah, like or something like that. Because I mean, I f- hmm. What if they could control the elements? So oh so, yeah. So then like like if the fire, a tidal wave just comes mm-hmm. or like a gust of wind just blows it, it blows out. people around or something like that. yeah. Because I mean we don't know how the aliens work. They're just jerks. More or less, yeah. I mean, they're there just to conquer our planet, which is, it's one of those themes that we were, still are, but we're like super scared of in like the 50s and 60s of the like Cold War and everything like that. So <laughs> Come on, Clep Colin. We have to get back to planet douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> I like that like in order to denote that they were aliens, they just had like these like little antennas sticking out of their ears. And like, uh, that one was of it. the guys had like, like, it wasn't a cape, but it was like a colored shirt that was like, Doctor Strange, like poop, poopy. Like, the guy, yeah, the, the guy the who looked like uh, Simon Pegg. Yeah, um, I read something on here. Those were leftover uniforms from uh, Forbidden Planet. Oh wow! Yep, that's those, so those cool. two. Yeah, that's what they're wearing. That's Leslie Nielsen again. <laughs> I'm going to drop some more facts about this episode. Drop some knowledge. Um, so the aliens are wearing uniforms left over from the 1956 science fiction film Forbidden Planet. Um, the mock-up of the retractable stairway leading into the lower half of it, uh, oh, leading into the lower guess. half of the C-57D cruiser. Go. Is it the day the Earth stood still? No, it's from Forbidden Planet as well. Oh, damn. I was wrong. <laughs> um, the, a stock footage effects shot of the cruiser in face can be seen, uh, space can be seen, and it was reused from Third from the Sun, which was third an earlier... Record. No, oh. Third from the Sun, oh, which okay. is an earlier um, Twilight Zone episode, which is a good one because it has to do with like aliens going somewhere and you don't know where, and they go to a, a planet that's Third from the Sun, which is Earth. Um, and the cruiser shown upside down... Oh, but they had flipped it upside down as opposed to how they were in Forbidden Planet, which is funny. Oh. And this episode was remade um, in the 2003 The Forest Whitaker series. Version. Yep. Uh, it was called The Monsters Are on Maple Street and starred Andrew McCarthy. Really? Yep. And Titus Welliver. Oh, um, Titus Welliver. Did you watch Deadwood? No. Did you I see haven't. Argo? 
Uh, He's in every Ben Affleck movie. Oh, cool. In uh, Gone, Baby Gone, he was the guy with the giant mustache. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's Tess Williver. He's on Bosch. So, oh, that's so, that's so cool. It is. I mean. They did a radio drama of it in the mid-2000s. So This This is awesome. Good episode. I I had no idea that this was as influential of of them. I thought this was a lesser known one. Uh. I thought so too, but according once again, this is all Wikipedia stuff, so who knows? According to this, in two thousand nine, Time named it as one of the ten best Twilight Zone episodes. This would, I don't disagree with that because this episode's phenomenal. This would be a great one to adapt for the movie because mm-hmm. um, you gave some fun facts about the episode. Uh, I'll give you fun facts about rebooting the movie. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it as an anthology. Which, it's just a movie, right? Oh, so it's just one story? Yeah, which I think is a terrible That's idea. That's a waste. That. I, I that, like that, that defeats the that defeats the spirit of Twilight Zone, in my opinion. Uh, we should say that, as, as we always do, the last uh, episode of the month will be a movie. And if you haven't guessed that we're doing the Twilight Zone yeah, movie, come but, on. Like, I I mean, we could do the box. Uh, Richard Kelly's the box, which no, is based which on is a Twilight Zone episode. But that movie which is, is based terrible. on Richard Matheson's Richard Matheson's story. Yeah, a short novella. Was uh, it? It was a novella. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um. But yeah, we're doing the Twilight Zone movie, which, in my opinion, as anthology movies go, mm-hmm. I think it's like a perfect one. Yeah, um, it's a good one. It's but, it's a very straightforward anthology movie, which I which I like because um, I mean other ones I can think of are you know why don't we talk about anthology movies when we do the movie? That's fine. But uh, so they they said today, uh, not today, uh, Friday three days ago um that they're not doing it as an anthology which i got upset about yeah um because they had four directors lined up to direct each segment oh um, george Mel- miller was coming back what that would have been amazing um and then they had christopher nolan oh wow that would have been really okay because yeah, inception i can see him doing something like the really thinky like that matt reeves who did down to the planet of the apes and he okay. did cloverfield and then the last person you can guess Spielberg? Uh, Spielberg White. New Spielberg. Oh, Abrams. JJ. Yeah, of course. Because of uh, uh, 8.5, Super 8. Super 8, yep. Yeah, so so those were the four that were going to do it. And now... That would have been fun. That would have been great. Yeah. And now it will probably be like Michael Bay. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah, I know. But... Yuck. So, how many bagels, Dwight? Oh, man. Um... See, here's the here's the issue with doing a month of Twilight Zone. It's Twilight Zone. These episodes, all these episodes are phenomenal. So, like, I, I, I can't. I don't want to just go and say they're all perfect because <laughs> they are. But so, hmm, but I many? feel like Rod Serling made them so they wouldn't be perfect because I don't think he ever wanted to be perfect. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna take one away for that. Okay, so. You mentioned this earlier in this episode, and I mean, I guess this is a sign of the times of when it was made, but uh, the diversity in this episode is non-existent. It is, it is all yeah. uh, just cis white people uh, in the <laughs> middle of uh, <laughs> this just uh, idyllic 50s town, which is, you know, not really America. So I'm going to take one out for that, because I mean, even in the 50s, you could have had... Or in the early 60s, you should... I mean, 
Star Trek had Nichelle Nichols and like a, a, and a black Takei. female. Yeah, exactly. And George Takei, exactly. And, and they, they had a they had a Russian guy yep. during the Cold War. Exactly. So, so yeah. I mean, it could have happened. Like you could have had more diversity in this episode, which is like not something I usually harp on, but it really did stick out on me on this. How great would it have been if there was a Russian neighbor mm-hmm. in, in yeah. the neighborhood and like, oh, it's Mr. Kolchak. I I wonder if they didn't do that because they didn't want to be too not on the nose with racism, but like. If you had had a black person in this episode, and then you would, the I feel like I don't want to say the logical place to go, but I feel like if you had turned to them, it would have come off like Get Out. Exactly, it would have come off a little bit more not inappropriate, but on the nose and uncomfortable. If if you start turning it into a race, like if you thing. had like a, a Russian neighbor or yeah. you know someone from a different country, yes, yeah. You become really like, xenophobic about that type so of stuff. So then, then I feel like making uh, Goodman the first person chosen. Yeah, it's, it's also, similar to that. Also, but... the fact that his name is Goodman, mm-hmm. but he's a bad man. Not he's, yeah. a good man. <laughs> he, um, he, he's the dorkiest looking of them all. Too. So you have I, one I, out. So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take one out. I, I think this is like a. Yeah, I'll go with one out. So this is a twelve for me because it's 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 like it, it's just an ideal. Twilight Zone. It's dealing with a, a very intriguing subject matter. It can go anywhere. It's very creative and it's well written, well acted. Like I, no one was like that person's being kind of a weirdo. And like it devolves into a. It doesn't get creepy, but it gets uncomfortable and it makes you reflect on yourself. This is a good episode. I'm gonna go with one just because that one little thing I think could have been improved on. I'm taking three out um, okay. because the diversity was my biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Then the shotgun radius was another for me. Yeah, okay, that's fair. And then the last one is the fact that um, just how obvious it was that it wasn't gonna be anyone in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and that the first thing they they pointed their finger at was little boy, uh, like like. Not the first thing, but yeah. when when the the heat is on for a neighbor after killing someone, the first thing they do is yeah. blame the child. Okay. And I feel like that was a huge trope in the fifties. Like mm-hmm. blame the kid. The kid. I, it's the kid's fault. I am gonna take one more out. I, I'm gonna go down to eleven because they did the thing at the beginning that I kind of find kind of annoying, where like everything is going fine, and then the kid comes out and says, "Oh, but I read this in a story that this is what what people do," and it's it's. I don't fully understand why that would make everyone be like, oh, oh, you read this in a science fiction story? Okay, that's got to be real. Like, I feel like they should have just just left and like, yep. like figured well like, like, enough along. Exactly, and just gone and like gone to the police because they, they wave away them going to the police because Charlie at one point says, oh, we should go to the police. I'll wait, but they would, they would never believe us and they would just say we were freaking out over a little bit of power loss. Like, I think that once you, once you devolve to people like lights turning on and off and like someone has been murdered. Yeah. You should probably go to the police. Right. How, how great would it be if they actually went to the police and, uh, the lights went off there too. And there's just like a gunfight going on. That would be intense. Or like, I could see them going to the police and like the police being the aliens like that. But I guess that would be like too much like anti-government or anti-authority figure trust. Or, or if they went to the police and then came back and the body's gone because the aliens took them. Yeah. To make more And paranoia. they wouldn't believe it. Yeah, that's awesome. We ah. should be writing Twilight I know. Zone episode. Let's make a Twilight Zone, Scott. <laughs> yeah, a fan film. The Smilight Zone. The Smilight Zone. So uh, next Twilight Zone, where are we going? 
I don't remember which one we're doing next. We have like 17 of these lined up. I don't remember which one, <laughs> what order we're going in. Uh, I believe what we have next is uh, we're going for a uh, walk within uh, uh, walking distance. Oh, we're in walking distance next. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so we're going to take a trip down memory lane, which is what we've been doing with all the Twilight Zone episodes. But we're going to visit our past, and we are going to maybe fall off a carousel. <laughs> I, I just didn't want to do, like, really depressing ones all the way through. I, I Walking want... Distance is not depressing. Walking Distance is super right. uplifting. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. So, saying. so, like, we started off hardcore. Uh, and gotcha, gotcha. A nice uh, palate cleanser. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. I'm Dwight Stearns. Smell you later. Bye.